0: the homemakers club podcast the homemakers club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home as you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you're stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Hey everyone, welcome. Today I have my friend Katie DeGroote. You can find her on Instagram at Katherine Louise DeGroote. Her and her dear friend Abby wrote a beautiful resource called hopeful homemaking a guide. And later we're going to discuss that I think it's going to be a useful and beautiful tool that you can bring into your home to learn all things homemaking, cooking, cleaning, rhythm, the heart of home, everything that you need to become a homemaker or be revived as a homemaker, you can find in this piece of work that they wrote together. But before we talk about that, I'd love to introduce my friend Katie. Hey, Katie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Ashley, thank you so much for having me.
0: Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, the journey that you're in right now with homemaking and
1: motherhood? Yes, I'd be happy to. So my husband, Seth, and I live outside of St. Paul, Minnesota. We live in a smaller community, and we are making our 150-year-old Victorian home We've been in this area for a few years, and we are the parents to three young children. We also have a dog and two chickens, Mm -hmm. and I have always been a homemaker. I really have loved the art of homemaking. I think it was a call that was put on my life as a little girl. It was the first desire I remember having, and it was kind of a unique desire because of my upbringing and the culture that I was raised in was very not that way. So to live and to be in this role is truly a dream come true in a lot of ways. And really like my heart's desire has been fulfilled in this. So I have parts of my homemaking journey that have been really challenging. I think as homemakers, there's areas that we naturally excel in, and then there's areas that are more of a growth area. So for me, cooking has not been my most favorite domestic duty, but I am learning and beginning to fall in love with it. And of course, for me, where I really enjoy and find happiness in homemaking is in home decor and documenting life and a little bit of hosting too.
0: Was there someone that planted that seed in your heart? Or can you kind of pinpoint where in your history you think that that developed I know you said that you have kind of always had that, but we grow through the seasons of life. And so at what point do you think like, okay, this is where it was pivotal in my heart to want to be a homemaker?
1: As a very little girl, I loved playing with my dolls and I loved, you know, babies and playing with my dolls and my dollhouse. And my mom, my mom worked outside the home and she was an incredible homemaker And she always baked and was always making things for people. She is an incredible seamstress. When she was in high school in the late 60s and early 70s, she was given this award called the Betty Crocker Homemaker of Tomorrow Award. And so it's just so interesting because even though my mom had a career outside the home, she has always been an excellent homemaker. So that was something I had as a little girl. But I was also really enraptured by what I would see in magazines. So Victoria Magazine, I remember like hoarding it and Martha Stewart and just looking at these images, these beautiful homemaking images as a small girl and just being so inspired by them. And I just, I loved what I saw in those publications, which I think, you know, obviously they're beautiful editorial images, but the heart of what is being expressed in that type of content is so much deeper than just the visual, the physical.
0: I'm almost convinced the more I think about it that really what we're craving within those tangible goods that we see in the magazines, like you were saying, or the ones that we're bringing in our home, is actually the heart behind the product and the lifestyle behind mm-hmm. the product. So mm. they capture scenes. So like dinettes with the coffee on the table. Well, okay, yes, it's a beautiful dinette. But really, it's like calling you in for a moment of sitting and joining together in fellowship that I think we all have those heartstring moments for.
1: Yes. And I think so many of us are longing for something else. Sometimes the critics of the homemaking movement say, you know, you're trying to return to a past when people didn't have rights or or something like that. But, but what I see with the homemaking community is wanting something more. And maybe it's truly just a life with less dependence on electronics, like Mm. entertainment electronics. Maybe it's more time with our children or our friends. Maybe it is slowing down and having, you know, coffee with a neighbor. So I think it's all of those things that we desire. And I don't think it's just the homemaking community. I think as a larger society, And this is where you see, you know, the massive popularity, I think of the farmhouse decor movement. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about how like 1800 style dresses and those hemlines are really popular right now for women's clothing. I think we've kind of come to a place where what's being presented to us as an option isn't really working and we want something different. I don't necessarily think it's about a return to the past. What I think it's about is going forward into something else. Mm -hmm. My husband and I talk, frequently about this because I'm always reflecting on the people that came before me. And I love, love, love history. I was a history minor in college. And so I'm fascinated by history. I love antiques. I love thrifting, all of that. We live in this old house, but I'm also very curious about creating something better for our kids because I think what was presented for me and what has kind of happened in society isn't great and not working for people.
0: Mm-hmm. I've noticed that obviously since I got back on Instagram two years ago and started the Homemakers Club, it has grown rapidly and not mm-hmm. just within the Homemakers Club, which is where I kind of just hang out. I don't really even go on my personal Instagram very much. I just kind of hang within the community and see what women are doing. But when I do hop over to my personal, I'm seeing more and more women pouring into their homes or more and more families kind of honing back in to maybe what's deemed as like the old-fashioned way of living and that's actually part of like the homemaker's creed women who adore and love the old-fashioned ways of making a house a home not Mm -hmm. saying that we have the old-fashioned ideals and values on all Mm -hmm. things on all fronts But there are very big, beautiful treasures of the lifestyle from back in the day that I think have been lost and forgotten Mm -hmm. that I think, like you were saying, we're all kind of craving that slowdown. I don't even know how to like pinpoint where that disconnect is from modern day society to back in the day. Mm -hmm. But it seems like so many people are craving that. What do you think that
1: is? I think it's so many things. I think it's partially that what we have offered women isn't working and we've kind of come to the end of ourselves. And I think it takes a lot of humility to say, well, maybe what I want isn't a fast paced lifestyle. Maybe what I want isn't the biggest house with the most expensive vehicles. I think we we've been presented with a very one dimensional view of what success looks like. I know for me growing up, especially as I got into my high school years, there was a lot of pressure put on myself and my peers for, you know, certain kinds of education to pursue, certain kinds of career to pursue. I went to this all girls Catholic high school and it was fantastic. And I made so many wonderful friends, but there was a real intensity about getting into the most prestigious school that you could get into, right? So they really put the IVs and the UCs and University of Chicago on a pedestal. And there wasn't really a lot of encouragement for, it. you know, not everyone needs to go to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all have something to offer our communities and we all have equal value in the eyes of God. But a real sort of I, I really would call it the rat race. And I think it's a response to you know, what kind of happened to women, you know, before the sixties, but I I think it's a disordered response. I've done a lot of thinking about this. I almost was a women's studies minor as well with history in college. And I, I didn't end up getting that as a minor because I would have had to stay at school longer and I didn't want to pay more tuition, but I just don't think that the present narrative is working. And I see that so clearly because I see that so many women are deeply unhappy. And I think unhappy women create a real difficult thing for society because I believe we are the heart of our homes and we can create the tone in our homes Mm -hmm. and we have so much power in our homes, especially. So I know that folks sometimes come into this through the back door of, of the aesthetics, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. people are really attracted to things like you said, the the beautiful vintage wares or even reproductions, which are very common now, but it's so much deeper than that. And I've seen a lot of women in my own personal life really say, you know, I'm going to do something different. I, I think especially after the pandemic, I saw people moving. All of a sudden people were leaving and moving to different places because they didn't want to maybe stay in the same place because it wasn't working for them anymore. So I think there was real power in looking at our lives and saying, what isn't working? And I have a lot of opinions and, and views on this topic because of the community that I was raised in and kind of what I've observed, but I don't see any fruit coming from a culture of, of bitterness and anger and discord and any sort of movement that seeks to, you know, dismantle familial bonds, I think is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it's very sneaky. And I think it presents itself as, you know, oh, this is about, you know, creating, you know, more peace in your home. But I, I think what ends up happening is it can breed resentment. And so for me, homemaking is super radical because like I shared, it was not at all something that was encouraged and for some of my ancestors, it was something that just was not available. So I view my role as a treasure. So it's always very interesting to me when I hear people describe what I do as a form of oppression, Mm -hmm. because I've never felt more free.
0: Amen to that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I love
0: that. Like you were saying, you went to an all-girls school that pushed Ivy League. I went to a private school that was college preparatory. If you graduate from the school, everyone will basically get into any university of their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just what we were doing. My mom was like, college. I think kind of our generation was kind of, that was just taught in the school. Home Mech was kind of falling off. When I first got into high school, as a freshman, home ec was still there. By my senior year, it
1: wasn't there anymore. It was no longer oh, yeah, it even a class. not exist in my high school. It would have been a joke in my high school. I love my high school, so if anybody from my alma mater is <laughs> going to listen to this. But there is um, no I home do, ec.
0: I do love it. So I think our generation was kind of that. We might have been the cusp of, like, losing that in our adolescence because now further education and career outside of the home – was what success was as a woman, maybe. And like you yourself, you went to university. There's been so many women who did. They have went on to further education. They started these careers. I know so many that decided to come back into the home because mm-hmm. they were just unhappy. Not that it's wrong to want that and to get the education. Mm-hmm. And some women feel called to do that, and that's wonderful. But it's almost like ingrained into us that you can't be successful unless you prove yourself in the business or professional world.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I think about this text a long time ago about, you know, it used to be you didn't have laundry in your house. You would send your laundry to a person in town and they would do it. Typically, and especially in the American South, this would have been Black women. Mm -hmm. And they were the laundresses in the community. And they would do the laundry on a big cauldron and they would stir it. And it was, you know, with really, really intense soap. And they provided their community with clean clothing. Wow. And I'm sure at the time, these women were looked down upon, not only for what they did, but for for who God created them to me. But I think, what would it be like to not have clean clothes? Putting on a clean shirt in the morning and you know, putting on clean clothing makes, makes you feel like you have dignity. Mm-hmm. And I just think about how critical the work that those women did and the impact on society. And so, yes, we need everybody in society, but I think it's so interesting how we truly downplay these, these tasks. And I, I think we see this reflected in like how we pay daycare providers and, you know, how we view people who don't necessarily have a college degree. And it's just so fascinating to me because I think that the work that people do within their homes and I think work like childcare, hospitality, um, housekeeping, that work is so critical to our society functioning Mm -hmm. and it is so worthy of respect. And I know for me, I always knew that I wanted to be home with my children. It was like the most important thing. And I was so fortunate to meet a man who also valued that Mm -hmm. And I, I cannot tell you the number of older women who've come up to me and said, you know, I wish I would have spent more time with my children. I wish I would have had more children. That's a one that I've been hearing recently that I think is super interesting. And then, you know, I I wish I would have just really savored this time. And so I think if you're able, because truly not everyone is able to, to be a full-time homemaker or to be, you know, home with their children if they want to. And that's, really unfortunate because I think if you want to, you should be able to, but I I think if you can, and there's any bit of you that has a desire to just wholeheartedly pursue it, because I just, I just think what a tragedy to regret that, you know, Mm
0: -hmm. my grandma recently, and actually most of the time now she's 89 years old and, and she kind of knows the end is nearing, you know, obviously we never know when, but anytime I might have like a little bit of a, a grumble or a little bit of like, oh, yep, grandma, sorry. The kids are always needing my attention when I'm on the phone. Like any kind of little comment about that or we've got to paint this room or we've got to do this, like talking about things. And even if I'm not grumbling, it's just like chaos, you know, or tending home, tending children, tending husband, like all the things Mm -hmm. she always makes a point to tell me that I'm currently living the best days of my life. And that is something that I wish I could gift every woman, the ability to take a step back and like hear my grandma. And she says it with such impact and fruitfulness Mm -hmm. in her voice, like as a matter of fact, like lovingly, like These are the days of your life. And once my children are grown, I want to continue homemaking. I want to always have them in my home. I want to have worked so hard at my marriage that now in that next season, my husband and I have survived these years of of the chaos and running children to sports and doing all the things. And painting the house, life is so crazy right now because we have children, but I want to have put so much time and intention into my home that when I hit the next season, it's maybe like a lull, like a calmness, but I don't want my homemaking to stop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> I think mean, that's beautiful. I feel so peaceful because I feel like our home is just is just beautifully ordered and sometimes I feel like we're kind of an anomaly because, you know, I sometimes can feel kind of lonely in it, which is why I'm so grateful that there is this community. But I just, I find such groundedness in, you know, doing something like planning our menu or thinking about, you know, morning basket homeschooling activity for my older two children. And it feels again, like I think so personal to me and I think it, it's probably similar to other people who love homemaking, but it feels like living out almost like a destiny and and really truly a vocation because I view it as a vocation. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think it's so, it's so good to be expressive in, in the public world of this role, because I think like as a high school student, I would have loved to have had your page to look at. I would have been so encouraged Mm -hmm. because it wasn't until really I discovered blogging in at the end of college that I was like, oh, I don't know exactly what I want in life. I mean, I know I want to be a mom. I know I want to be a stay at home mother, but I don't really see that reflected in my greater community very often. But when I found other women who were blogging and writing about their day-to-day lives, the, these moms, I was like, yes, that is what, and and my first, the, the one that I fell in love with was Stephanie Nielsen. This is like way back OG blogging days. <laughs> she wrote a blog called the Nini Dialogues, and she and her husband were actually in a very tragic plane crash that burned significant parts of both their bodies. They have since recovered, not without quite a bit of work in surgery. I followed her blog the whole time, but she wrote me a Christmas card this year. And I almost cried because on the back of it, she said, I, I don't know exactly what she wrote, but she's like, I'm just so proud of you. You know, cause we had, we had started reading each other's, you know, blogs or I started reading her blog before her accident. We stayed in touch all these years. And she was such a role model to me. I remember being just fascinated by her because, you know, all around me in my community growing up, you know, people weren't even really like encouraged to, or even really talking about marriage until they're like late twenties, maybe. And, you know, here, Stephanie, she had four children by the time she was 27. And it's not, you know, I didn't start having children until my thirties, but it, it was more of here is somebody who is like in love with their husband and not afraid to talk about it has children that they adore loves creating a home. And yes, I'm sure she had, and does have bad days, but it was so refreshing to me. And it was like, yes, this is the role model I'm looking for. And there've been many times where I've, I have considered deleting my account or going private or like just not having an Instagram because, you know, people can just be unkind. But what keeps me going is the community of other homemakers, but also recognizing that, you know, to maybe another young person, I could be encouraging and so that's what keeps me even though I really struggle sometimes with if it's the right platform for me to be sharing stuff that is so sacred to me.
0: How do you deal with that opposition? A couple podcasts ago, Liz Marie Galvin had talked about that as well. And in her mind, she has created the opportunity for a learning opportunity when she is presented with the opposition. So she's all about creating a cozy home. And so sometimes she'll get comments like this is not cozy because she likes like the, the woods and whites and neutrals. And they say this is not cozy. And I died laughing. It was so funny when she said that she says, well, what's cozy to me may not be cozy to you but this is how you can create cozy within your home by addressing the senses so it's like it's a tool that we can kind of acquire to um, address opposition. How do you do that? Because homemaking is all about heart shaping and heart tending. The things we share, we believe so much. So it's, it's hard to not be hurt by the opposition. And not just in social media, because people at the grocery store may say something or friends who live a completely different lifestyle. So opposition's not just on like Instagram, it's in real life as well.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I think speaking from my own experiences, I mean, first off, I'm far from perfect and I've learned, I've had to learn these lessons the hard way. For me, it's actually, it's not really been random people on the internet. For me, it's actually been people that I know. I kind of call it my old life. I call it my old life because it was when I was not a mother and not, you know, not a wife. It was just a different season. And so with that different season, and I think, also, maturity level at that time, you know, drew different people to me, and you know, of course, not every relationship is for all time. So much of the time, I think, what happens is, you know, people are hurting and upset about something within their own realities, and you know, because you take pictures of flowers in a vase, or you know, you talk about the positives of motherhood, you become the target for their frustration or their their pain, and so I try really hard to ask questions. Like I said, I haven't done this perfectly, but I also create boundaries too. From a spiritual perspective, I I think it's okay to get comfortable with being unliked too, because that's just going to be the reality sometimes, you know, not everybody is going to like us and, and like homemaking. But what I think is interesting is for even people who are typically like you know, disgusted with my views or takes on the world, they're often still drawn into things, you know, so they're drawn into the aesthetics of homemaking. And I think it's because deep down in, in at the bottom of someone's heart, there's something in them that is attracted to that. And so just sitting with the discomfort sometimes as hard as it can be is, is good. And I
0: think that there's maybe like an underlying longing for home. I think that our world has become rather a homesick world. It all starts within the stirring of our hearts. So earlier you were saying how maybe some people find themselves wandering into this homemaking community because they're drawn to the aesthetic of it, the way it looks and the beauty of it and the simplicity and all of that. But what? ends up happening is like now all of a sudden they're trying to bake or now they're trying (laughs) to do this. And I think that that's what is like the coolest thing. And it almost gives us like power to face opposition because now we're learning how to claim our homes and separate ourselves from that past. It doesn't define who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of gives me fuel as well when I face opposition, whether it's in the DMs or in real life when friends or family have made comments about my decision to not pursue a grand career or mm-hmm. to finish college or whatever. And you had said, like, I feel free now that I'm in my home and treating it as a vocation in rhythm and time and creativity and trying new things that gives me more confidence when I face opposition, because I know what I'm doing within my home and I know the impact and value as well. So it mm-hmm. gives me the confidence and then I can respond in love as well, because I do believe greatly that we live in a homesick world. And I think everyone kind of mm-hmm. has a little bit of longing, whether they realize it or not. I, I think that it's developing in a lot of
1: hearts. Yes. You know, I think of perspective. I, I knew the kind of the current cultural trend towards like bitterness and resentment did not resonate with me. And I, I I just think that's such an unhealthy way of, of living. And so I'm very opposed to it. And so that created conflict because, you know, people would be like, well, I want to be able to talk bad about my husband to you. And I was Mm. like, why? (laughs) That's not productive. It's not helpful. It's not, yeah. Yeah, it's not, so. I used to call it solutions oriented. I'm like, I want solutions oriented, you know, like joy seeking. And I remember my husband being like, you have to let some of these people go. Like, they're not healthy. Like, I, I don't like what they kind of bring up into you. So for us, there was almost like a cultural shift. But I look back even on, say, five years ago, and I see that the seeds were there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even though I, I grew up with divorced parents, there were seeds there, for, you know, creating a healthy marriage with my own husband and really working through generational curses too, because that's something that I think tends to kind of go along with homemaking is our past. And then our Mm -hmm. family's past and generational stuff that comes up, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, right. Mm -hmm. Because the secular world calls it, you know, genetic patterns or whatever, like you have a predisposition towards alcoholism or whatever, but the spiritual Christian community calls it generational curses. So same concept, really just two different names for it. And I think, you know, oftentimes I'm praying, you know, asking God to remove like, you know, any sort of generational curse so that like I can step into the fullness of who he's created me to be at home. And I think what you said about homesick, I think that is such a, such a perfect term for it, you know, because I kind of see the fruits of it as as like bitterness or like anger towards children, anger towards men, a lack, I think also of identity identity. I think so much of this comes back to identity too, not knowing just who we are, who, who God made us to be and resting in that. And I think you see that culturally right now, and it is extremely unsettling and it's very confusing. And I, so I know my husband and I, sometimes I think Are we just like out of step with reality or something? But then I look at what we're both united in doing and it's creating, you know, first of all, protecting our children's childhood. We listen to nineties music a lot of times. Mm -hmm. just Goof off. And I said to him yesterday, we're listening to nineties music in our garage that he turned into kind of like a bar. It's, it's sort of fun. I'll have to send you a picture. I love it. but. We were sitting in there and I said, sometimes when I listen to this music, it makes me angry because I think about what it was like to be a little girl in the nineties and, oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't perfect, obviously, but I think about the current events that are happening right now. And my daughter, you know, our oldest, my daughter is only just barely four. And I sometimes have this anger, like I have to spend all this time and energy protecting her, you know, like looking at every book that people buy us to make sure the content's appropriate or, You know, being so mindful about where we sent her to preschool, or do we homeschool her? Because it's just such a different culture now. And like, I'm I'm kind of angry about it, but then, I I find myself just even more feeling resolved and peaceful and hopeful because I think we've seen a really great movement with like getting kids back outside and like recognizing that not every child learns the same way or or whatever. We see some really beautiful things, and so it does fill me with hope. And I. I literally just pray and I I say, God, you need to show me what I need to be doing. So when you were
0: talking about the fight that you and your husband have for protecting your children's innocence, and that intention is what I think women as homemakers, whether they work outside of the home or they are home full-time I want to give them the power to understand that that right there, that's homemaking. So it's not so much, I don't think necessarily the idea of like making a beautiful home and being on top of your laundry every single day, like those things are part of it, absolutely, because I think there's incredible importance and value in a clean and orderly home with good nutrition, and you can Mm -hmm. save money by making things from scratch and learning these new skills, and I think that all is part of the homemaking idea. However... Placing intention and value into what you are trying to do within your home, whether you're married, have children, whatever season you're in, your children are grown like that, that right there is homemaking. I'd like to ask you. How would you encourage someone who's just now entering the homemaking world? So it could be they already have three children, they could already be retired, or they're just starting off as 19 years old and they're just kind of starting to understand that call within their heart. What would you encourage them to do to start from scratch and understand their value within their home because that I think is what breeds purpose like when you were saying like you guys are listening to the 90s music my children actually are really amazing they have great taste it's either like old school <laughs> rock and roll or like 90s hip-hop like yes. just, they really have great taste and it came from my husband and I for sure So it made me smile when you were talking about it. But what I was hearing you say is that you have purpose within your home and you're willing to fight the fight and put the effort against the grain to build your home in the way that you and your husband believe to be powerful. And that I think gives purpose and value to your homemaking right there. So Mm -hmm. what would you say to someone who says, well, how do I be a homemaker? Like, how do you how do you encourage them or what would you like? Where do they start?
1: oh my gosh, I think mean, you got to just claim it. You got to take on that mantle and you got to say, this is who I am. And I don't think there's one way to be a homemaker. And I know you don't think so either, mm-hmm. Ashley, So you just go go with it. And I think throw out everything that you think about success. You know, what, you know, because I think we have this image of what is a successful person and throw that out and you create what, what you would define as, what does success mean to you? Cause I can tell you that the current cultural narrative to me, I'm like, I want nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. That is just throw it in the trash and we are going to do something else.
0: <laughs> and, and it's so- like power. Like you feel like you're tying your cape. That's why I say like tie your apron strings yeah. and like, tackle apron. Your yeah. like you have so much power. I feel like yes. we're like preaching right now, but you have so much power yeah. to sit down over a cup of coffee and be like, today is the day where I'm going to sit down and write out what I believe to be important and valuable. And these are the steps that I can take today right now, even if I don't have my dream house. I joked the other day saying I like a five acre garden, which I learned is actually called a farm. Like right now, (laughs) (laughs) right now, that was funny right now. Like what can I do right now to claim my home? Because I'll tell you as soon as you understand that you're building a foundation for your
1: your well that's why it's a threat right like if it wasn't powerful if it wasn't important it wouldn't feel so threatening Mm. like people aren't threatened by things that aren't powerful period so I think I remember when I was you know like very single and I lived in this apartment it was art deco it was super cute but it had roaches (laughs) and I could never get rid of the roaches and I made it into a joke but I lived there and I remember teaching myself, okay, I'm going to learn how to make cold brew. I'm going to learn how to make kombucha. And because I didn't have kids yet, I had quite a bit of free time, even though at the time I didn't think that I did, but I did (laughs) compared to now. (laughs) And so I was learning, I was learning stuff. And then I think also encouraging the next generation. I love to bake with my kids and it's very chaotic and and messy and kind of wild, but I have a little learning tower and I, I pull it right up and I have these kids aprons and I have them put on their aprons. And I think if they remember this from their childhood, I've done all I need to do, you know? So I I think it's just claiming it and learning along the way. I think there are so many fabulous resources. Nowadays, that's one beautiful thing about technology is we have really the world at our fingertips. I mean, my husband watches hours of YouTube grilling tutorials and we've been Mm. like grilling and smoking meat all summer. I've been you know doing a little bit of canning this summer and I've been trying to to do more bread baking but it's just it, it's worth it to pursue these hobbies and these skills and I think that's really step one is just and and find people I think finding the right community so finding friends who want to encourage you in your homemaking journey who seek the best for you and not just in your homemaking journey but find friends who encourage you in your marriage and in your motherhood journey, you know, find friends who are, are people who are encouraging to other people, you know, that, that is so critical. I think, you know, you need friends who are going to tell you when you're, you know, out of line and you, you also need friends who are going to push you towards your best. Mm -hmm. Um, And they honor what
0: you, they understand your big picture is. Yes. And you understand there, yes. So you can help them stay on track with their big picture and vision of life and yes. their purpose.
1: Yes. And, you know, I think it's obviously like I've been doing a ton. Of, I've been doing a ton of reading and like learning about friendship and just trying to kind of get to the bottom of some of my own personal challenges around that. But I, I keep coming back to just like finding people with similar views on morality so that you can encourage encourage one another and I know for me once I kind of started doing that it was like every single person I had my son just had a birthday gathering and we had invited a few friends and I told my husband afterwards I was like every single person here I was so happy to have them here and they're all just wonderful people that I trust and I know I could leave you know my children with them and that they you know have the same they're not identical to us you know of course they're not the, the same person but right just that that similar morality i think that's important in en- encouraging one another spurring one another on towards the good because mm-hmm. that's so needed
0: we are talking about friends and who we associate with Obviously, Abby is a good friend of yours. She's an Instagram friend. You told me you haven't actually met in real life, which is exactly why I love the Homemakers Club so much. Is mm-hmm. There's so many opportunities to make really amazing friends. We may all come from different pasts, but we all have the same golden thread running through our hearts of home. So mm-hmm. I'd like to wrap this up. Real quick, with you telling us about the publication that you and Abby created, it's called Hopeful Homemaking, a guide. I think it's going to be a really incredibly impactful tool for so many women.
1: Thank you. Yes. So Abby, Franz and I came up with a short guide. It's not super long, where we sort of break down kind of the basics of homemaking. So everything from the basics of menu planning, some of our favorite recipes, day-to-day schedules, family culture. I remember when the lockdown started happening, I kept reading piece after piece after piece from women who were really upset because what I think has happened is, you know, we've created a culture of learned helplessness where we don't, we don't have systems in place because nobody taught us how to do systems because we've been able to, you know, maybe outsource all of that. And if you can't do that anymore, How do you begin to create a schedule for young children if you're you're at home with them? Or what does it look like to plan your menu and to look at what, you know, your pantry or what does it look like to do something educational from home? So it was really kind of out of the, for me, I would say out of my experience of watching what people were saying after, you know, 2020, a friend of mine calls it each one, teach one. We each have a skill that we can teach. And I certainly didn't feel qualified because it's not like I'm a professional baker or a professional cleaner or, but you know, I take care of my kids and I get up in the morning and, you know, I do the laundry and plan the menu and buy the food. So I, I knew I could share what had worked for me and what I had learned along the way from other women pouring into me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it was time for, you know, Abby and I to pour into others. And so we both have a background in professional photography. And so that was really fun to photograph this aspect of our lives and you know, we have long winters here in Minnesota. So it was a really fun, you know, winter time project to really hone in on. But the guide is, is simply meant to be inspirational, encouraging, and hopeful. I I think so much of what we hear about homemaking is, is a lot of drudgery and it's hard work. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We were saying, hanging the clothes on the line, but it can be really beautiful too, if we let ourselves lean into the beauty in it. So I wanted to create something that was positive because I was so weary of reading negative things. So that's what it is. It's, it's heavy on the photos. You know, Abby is an incredible photographer and writer. So it's something that we're both really proud of and we hope to collaborate again on something similar in the future.
0: Wonderful. Well, I will include the link for your guys's guide in the podcast notes. So anyone listening can find it easily. And thank you. I'm so glad that the two of you were called to do that and that you pounded pavement and got that done for so many women. And Katie, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast.
1: It was truly my pleasure. Thank you, Ashley. Thank
0: you. Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be. Productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We Are The Homemakers Gathered for Good. See y'all next week.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby.
0: We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education.
1: That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children.
0: On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself.
1: Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together.
0: Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of Driven Living.